This podcast was recorded on Tuesday, October 22nd at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Justin Trudeau will get a second mandate, but his majority from 2015 no longer. Canadians woke up to a more divided electoral map Tuesday morning. Voters sent the Liberals back to Ottawa with 157 seats, 27 less than they got in 2015 and 13 shy of a majority. The Liberals dominated in Atlantic Canada but lost their unanimous grip. They kept 35 seats in Quebec, 179 in Ontario, about the same as last time. But in central and western Canada, the Liberals hit a wall. They failed to win any seats in Alberta and Saskatchewan and lost seven in British Columbia. The Liberals' losses in those western provinces were conservative gains. And though the night didn't turn out to be the one conservative leader Andrew Scheer had hoped for, those big prairie wins sparked a new energy for the re-elected opposition leader. But tonight, conservatives have put Justin Trudeau on notice. And Mr. Trudeau, when your government falls, conservatives will be ready and we will win. On the other side of the country, another federal leader was celebrating. The Bloc Québécoise Yves-François Blanchette managed to triple his party's presence in the House of Commons to 32 seats. I expect us to have quite a good leverage. The NDP lost 40% of its seats, but leader Jagmeet Singh focused on how his party can move forward. We're going to make sure that the energy that we built over this campaign, the excitement that we built, and the focus that we put on people on people's struggles continues and so that we can play a constructive and positive role in the new parliament that Canadians have chosen. Maxime Bernier got bounced and there was no green wave for Green Party leader Elizabeth May. But her party heads to the House with three seats, a caucus that's two-thirds women, as she put it. And turns out she's looking forward to another kind of green. The good news is Andrew Shear owes me 50 bucks. Um, we... we... <laughs> We made a small wager at the end of the English language debate uh, in which I uh, suggested that he wasn't going to be Prime Minister. That turned out to be prescient. I'm Althea Raj and this is Follow Up, a HuffPost Canada politics podcast. The election campaign is over and the demands on the Prime Minister have just begun. To help us understand where we're heading, HuffPost Canada's politics team joins me to pick out some of the more remarkable moments from Monday's election. My friends, you are sending our Liberal team back to work, back to Ottawa with a clear mandate. We will make life more affordable. We will continue to fight climate change. We will get guns off our streets and we will keep investing in Canadians. Helping me unpack what happened during the 2019 election campaign are a group of HuffPost politics reporters who fanned out across the country at each of the party leaders' campaign headquarters on Monday night. I'm joined by Melanie Woods, associate editor for HuffPost Canada, who was with Jagmeet Singh's campaign in Burnaby. Hi, Mel. Hi. Reporter Emma Paling was with Elizabeth May in the Greens in Victoria. Good morning, Emma. Hello. 
Ryan Maloney is HuffPost's senior politics editor. He was an- with Andrew Shear's campaign in Regina. Good morning, Ryan. Hi, Althea. And Zian Lum is HuffPost's Ottawa politics reporter, and she was with the Liberals in Montreal. Good afternoon, Zian. Hello. Good afternoon, Althea. Yeah, the time zones are working in this way. Let's start off by talking about the mood in the room on Monday night. Uh, Zian, what was it like to be with the Liberals? It was very interesting. It was very quiet at the beginning of the night, but once the Atlantic results uh, kept on rolling in, they saw that the Liberals held on to six seats of the, in Newfoundland and Labrador, so they lost one seat to the NDP. So that was kind of a litmus test that um, the Liberals were faring out okay early on. Obviously, it was very early at that point for them to be celebrating, but as soon as the polls closed in Quebec and in Ontario, when the results came in, um, people started clapping when all the Montreal area MPs were being reelected. So people began, you know, cheering and like high-fiving each other, lots of screaming. Um, there weren't, you know, there wasn't a balloon drop in, in the room, but very jubilant, very happy mood in the room by the end of the night. It seems like the call came early. Ryan and I were... Um People in Regina deflated by uh, Monday's result? Yeah, you could say that. So by the time that people started uh, coming into the arena or to the area, um, they, we were already getting those results, and it wasn't too long before uh, networks started calling it for the Liberals. So you can imagine it was uh, pretty somber in there for folks who came to to celebrate a Liberal defeat. So what, what, what we ended up seeing instead was... Um, Conservative supporters celebrating sort of minor victories for them. Um, the defeat of Amarjeet Sohi in Alberta got a big reaction. The defeat of Maxime Bernier in Beauce got a big reaction. And the biggest reaction, I would say, in the room was when Ralph Goodale uh, from Regina, Wisconsin, uh, was defeated uh, after, you know, I think eight or nine elections of winning. So uh, there were chants of goodbye, Ralph, and na 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 na, goodbye, and things like that. It was almost like they were, they came to celebrate a much bigger victory, but uh, but that was something that they could cling to, I suppose. And I just want to add that on my side of the room, when, you know, it was shown that Ralph Goodale lost his seat and Amarjeet Sohi lost his seat, the room went silent on my side. So you could kind of feel the, the sadness uh, in the room at the Liberal headquarters. Yeah, Ralph Goodale, who's been the public safety minister and uh, the number two in case anything happens to the prime minister, the man who would step in and fill uh, Justin Trudeau's shoes. Um, obviously a devastating loss for the liberals. The one person who seemed to be ecstatically happy was uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh. What was it like to be with the NDP, Melanie? Yeah, NDP headquarters was a bit of a party all night long. I mean, the party didn't really get started until around 7 p.m. local time, which was 10 p.m. on the East Coast. So by then, the liberal minority was pretty locked in, uh, and it was just a matter of how the seats would play out. And a liberal minority, the NDP, have said for the last couple weeks of the campaign is a victory for them. In any scenario that happens, whatever Canadians choose, I'm going to make sure Canadians get the best deal. I'm going to make sure we fight hard for the things that are our priorities. I'm going to make sure we deliver those things. And I've made it really clear I'm going to fight conservatives because they cut and make services 
worse for people. And with more new Democrats, you're going to be assured that we change things. Uh, and they see that. So even though the party ended up losing about a dozen seats, the night was a celebration. It was a dance party. Uh, Jagmeet Singh, when he made his appearance later in the evening, came out to like a music video style cameras all around him as he descended into the mosh pit and started like dancing with people. And that campaign song kept playing over and over and over again. And he had the whole crowd jumping with him. I think it was, yes, surprisingly jubilant is the, the best word to describe it. Yeah, and just to remind the listener, the NDP had 39 seats at dissolution, and they elected 24 at the last count. Um, and they were basically wiped out in Quebec. They had four, 14 seats, and now they have uh, one elected at Aix-en-Bourgis in the Montreal area. Emma, what was it like to be with the Greens? There was a lot of excitement with the Greens at the beginning of the night, and it definitely waned over time. They were expecting to take five or maybe six seats in this election, and they only ended up with three. By the end, when Elizabeth May came on stage to make her speech, there were five or six young teenage volunteers who were just sobbing uncontrollably on the stage, consoling each other, hugging each other. They had volunteered in two of the ridings on Vancouver Island that May was definitely expecting to take from the NDP, which they did not do in the end. So... The excitement sort of died by the end. There was only a few dozen people there when everything wrapped up. Um, definitely, they had high expectations that were not met last night. Yeah, the um, Elizabeth May's speech uh, in the early morning, uh, <laughs> early Tuesday morning, um, you could definitely sense that. Uh, from her that uh, Victoria, which is um, one of the places we went to this summer with the HuffPost reports team, um, they were not able to win that seat and Marcel Coy was not elected and they did not win Esquimalt Stanich Souk um, either. And so that um, beachhead they were trying to create in Vancouver Island didn't happen. I want to talk about the speeches that we heard last night. Um, the competing <laughs> speeches to me seemed very bizarre. Um, uh, what did you, what struck you um, from what uh, you heard? Let's start with, um, well, let's start with the NDP. What struck you from what Mr. Singh had to say um, in a very lengthy speech? I, I was on CBC and I think we actually stopped broadcasting it. So, um. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Singh took the stage first uh, when his people came into the media room and said, you know, 15 minute warning. We asked because we had heard that Trudeau was planning to go up soon. And we said, oh, is he going to wait for Trudeau to go? And they were like, nope, he's going now. And we we're like, okie dokie. So the room, again, jam packed, started with a dance party. Uh, and he very much saw this as a win in terms of power and influence and getting the NDP platform into the Liberals' ears. So he went back through those six main priorities that he had spoken about last week in terms of a coalition government or a coalition situation. Uh, and these include things like pharmacare, a wealth tax, cell phone bills. Uh, and he also walked back through the campaign and the stops that he had made. He did the obligatory shout out to uh, the late NDP leader, Jack Layton. Uh, and in French, he also talked about the defeat in Quebec. And he was very much in saying, uh, 
I'm not giving up on Quebec. I will continue to go there and support there, even though the NDP had these kind of catastrophic losses there. Uh, at one point, the whole crowd started chanting, tax the rich. Uh, and he said, yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. And then somebody in the crowd shouted, eat the rich. And he said, yes, friend, that's exactly what we're going to do, which elicited a lot of laughs uh, from the crowd. And he didn't leave the ballroom until over an hour after his speech ended. So uh, it was very, very well received in Burnaby. Uh, Ryan, Andrew Shear was next. What do we hear in his speech? Well, we saw Andrew Shear really try to put the most positive spin on what was a, I'm sure, a disappointing night. He he was referencing that the Conservatives won the popular vote. Um, I think he's going to continue to bring that up in the coming days and weeks. You saw him bringing up that they that they that they won 22 more seats and that they limited the Liberals to a minority. And one thing that I thought was interesting was he he brought up the 2004 election where the Conservatives limited the Liberals to a minority. And then less than two years later, the Conservatives were in the government benches. And he was clearly suggesting that this isn't over, the campaign's not over, he is focused on trying to get into government. And I don't know if that was so much as uh, an attempt to save face or to try to pump up the crowd and just let them know that um, this thing isn't over. He suggested it was one small step or a step to the ultimate goal, which is government. I want to talk more about that, but Z, um, what did we hear in Justin Trudeau's speech last night? Um, kind of like a, honestly, kind of like a stump speech that we've heard time and time again. Uh, didn't It kind of lacked a singular tagline to distill his vision like we heard in 2015 when he shouted, you know, sunny ways, my friends, sunny ways. Uh, there weren't obviously any sunny ways from the outcome of this election. So what stood out for me was his acknowledgement of the, uh, I guess, prairie alienation. Uh, the Liberals were completely shut out of Alberta and Saskatchewan. So that was the main highlight from the speech that Trudeau gave to the room. Yeah, it didn't seem like uh, the main party leaders, Andrew Scheer or Justin Trudeau, were looking at the electoral map in front of them and responding to it in any serious way. Um, there was a, a line or two about Western Canada not having voted, um, well, basically shutting out the Liberals completely. And two Canadians in Alberta and Saskatchewan know that you are an essential part of our great country. I've heard your frustration, and I want to be there to support you. Let us all work hard to bring our country together. I don't think the public heard what it was hoping to hear. Would you say that's fair? What struck me is it felt like someone who 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 thought he had just won a majority. He said that he had a strong mandate to, uh, you know, to work on climate change, to work on uh, gun control and things like that. There wasn't a lot of uh, concession in my mind that uh, voters sent him a message that you know they wanted to check on his power. There wasn't a lot in my mind about working with other parties and things like that. And the new reality, it just felt to me like it was a uh, winner's speech and maybe not acknowledging that he did get sent a message here by voters, which is that we don't want you to have all the power to do whatever you want. So um, I'm curious to see in the coming days if he tweaks that message, because it did feel to me like it was a, I just want a majority kind of speech. Yeah, I echo that sentiment. Um, Trudeau's speech kind of was channeling that majority energy. But, you know, like you said, Althea, it's not like they were looking at the electoral map or anything, I guess. So Trudeau is not um, speaking to reporters on Tuesday. He's supposed to have a press conference on Wednesday. 
Um, I just want to bring Emma into this conversation because as um, we saw Elizabeth May campaign <laughs> rather vocally for uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, one of Justin Trudeau's critics, obviously. Um, Jody Wilson-Raybould won her seat on Monday. She will be coming back as the only independent um, MP in the House and quite a feat. Um, Emma, did Elizabeth May make any shout outs to Jody Wilson-Raybould last night? Yes, Jody Wilson-Raybould's win was actually one of the things that the Greens had to celebrate when her face came on the screen. All the Green supporters there started cheering and shouting. And as soon as Elizabeth May was done her speech, she turned to the reporters and said, oh, no, I should have mentioned Jody Wilson-Raybould. It's so great that she won. And the supporters there who I was talking to were just spontaneously bringing her up as well, saying that similar to Elizabeth May, Wilson-Raybould is a really strong, independent voice in the House who can hold Justin Trudeau to account. I thought it was interesting because the Greens did run a candidate, but they were very happy to see the independent um, take that seat from the Liberals. Uh, we want to pick up on something Ryan said, which uh, we heard Andrew Shear on Tuesday morning um, address reporters, and he basically suggested uh, he's looking forward to the next election and bring it on. And we will be ready when the time comes and his government falls to take the fight back to Justin Trudeau and give Canadians the government they deserve. His press conference was basically just a uh, a riff of his speech from the night before. He bringing up the popular vote, bringing up that Trudeau's been put on notice, uh, bringing up that Trudeau has to, to figure out uh, a way to uh, make the country less divided and pointing to the huge numbers of uh, conservative wins in Saskatchewan and Alberta and the rise of the bloc. So he put that all on, on Trudeau. Um, but it didn't seem to me like Scheer was super interested in uh, trying to work, make a minority parliament work, uh, it was more, we'll get them next time, kind of, still. It struck me that he was using the words, they voted for me, my party, my platform, like he was basically trying to fend off a leadership challenge. More Canadians supported my platform and our team last night than any other party. More people voted for me. According to the Conservative Party's uh, rules, that there will be a leadership review um, automatically because the Conservatives have not won the election. Absolutely. And as you know, like those numbers, uh, the popular vote numbers are inflated because of those huge wins in the prairies that they had. But uh, that that is what he's pointing to when people bring up, well, what about Ontario? What about those battleground suburbs that you thought you would make inroads? Um, what about the seats that Doug Ford was able to win that you weren't able to win? Uh, and it's popular vote, popular vote. We, more people liked us, I swear. Uh, we heard uh, Yves-François Blanchette, the leader of the Bloc Québécois, which uh, increased its seat uh, count threefold, um, say or suggest in his press conference that uh, he would have a very good leverage, I think that's a quote, and that he uh, repeatedly stressed that he had more seats than the NDP. Z, what did you make of his press conference? I found it was very interesting that he also uh, specified in English that the Bloc Québécois Separatist Party is naturally aligned with some liberal values, but not everything. So specifically, I guess, the Bloc, they're very anti-pipeline. So something that I thought about this morning was now that they have 32 seats in the House, is they may push the liberals to adopt a more ambitious, aggressive, you know, um, climate agenda, maybe really push the liberals to, you know, move away from pipelines, which the bloc thinks are very um, 
I guess, antiquated uh, uh, in terms of like energy. They want to push for more green energy. So that may be an interesting thing to watch in the coming months, years, uh, to be decided. Um, I thought it was also interesting that the leader mentioned that it's not um, their, the party's prerogative to make Canada work, but to make Parliament work. So that will be very interesting to see in the months to come. Justin Trudeau has a relatively strong minority government. Um, he doesn't he doesn't technically need a party to form uh, a coalition with him or an agreement with him. I mean, just looking at the numbers, one could imagine a scenario where he um, introduced legislation where he gets uh, support from the Conservatives. So, by Andrew Shearer's speech, as Ryan mentioned, it doesn't look like Mr. Shearer would uh, want to chat with Justin Trudeau. Um, but on other pieces of legislation, he has natural allies in the NDP and the Bloc, as he mentioned, um, uh, and the Greens. Uh, let me go westwards, though. Um, Mel or Emma, what did you read out of what the leader said um, and where that leaves this country and this parliament? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, Singh did not mention the Bloc really at all. He positioned himself as kind of the sole kingmaker uh, and the NDP. The Bloc were kind of shut out of his perspective, but that will be something that comes up in the coming weeks is what role the NDP and the Bloc with, I mean, relatively similar seat counts, so the Bloc do have more, um, will play in influencing Trudeau and being in Trudeau's ears. Mr. Singh seemed to presume that the Liberals would be coming to him um, or that he would be going to them with a laundry list of asks where uh, the numbers don't suggest that he maybe needs to do that. Uh, what did you think of that, Emma? Well, actually, Elizabeth May seemed to presume the same thing last night, and she took the opportunity to take a little dig at the NDP. She said um, the NDP didn't really have any big asks. They basically want to lower cell phone bills, and the Liberals could negotiate with them. Um, she was definitely happy that it's a minority government or a minority parliament. That was something that the Greens had wanted so that the Liberals will be forced to negotiate. Um, and May said that the Greens will try to push them now that they're in a more vulnerable position on changes to how parliament functions and changes to their climate targets. I'm going to end just, uh, Ryan, a final thought from you because you're in Regina. When you look at the map, um, it, this really does look like a country that's divided. You know, the Bloc Québécois has more than 30 seats uh, in Quebec. The Conservatives basically are holding on to Alberta and Saskatchewan. Um, already on my social feeds, I have the we exit um, the Western separation movement and calls for um, uh, the West to leave the Federation. Uh, do you think that that uh, will figure heavily in what uh, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister, has to say to the public? And um, how does he bring this whole country together? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think it's, I mean, anytime you're getting blown out in two provinces like Alberta and Saskatchewan, uh, you have the, the premiers there um, issuing their statements about that issue as well. Uh, he needs to do some work there and he needs to kind of uh, explain how that could happen and what, what he can learn from that. Um, I also think, though, that there are uh, dangers of the Conservatives playing that up too much because 
they don't want to be seen as a sort of regional party like they once the, the old reform faction was. Um, they want to be seen as a national option. So, of course, they're going to bring up the just by sh- the fact that they have so many MPs now from Western from Western Canada specifically, they're going to keep bringing up these issues. But um, is that going to help them win seats in the future in Ontario and Quebec and other things like that? So, um, yes, Trudeau needs to acknowledge and I, I mean he did do that a little bit last night but it, it goes deeper than that because um i think out here in the we- uh, west in the prairies um the, those feelings are real those feelings uh of, of of feeling neglect from the government uh right or wrong um he he needs to he needs to address this yeah lots to watch for well we may be doing this uh again in just a few short months uh thank you guys emma mal ryan and Zian. um thank you thank you Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. That was HuffPost Canada's senior politics editor, Ryan Maloney, and our reporters, Zian Lum, Emma Paling, and Melanie Woods. Well, that's our special edition of follow-up in the wake of the 2019 federal election campaign. This show was put together by myself, Zian Lum, and our wonderful technical producer, Michal Stein. Big thanks to Luisa Cruz and Al Donato for their help connecting our reporters across the country. Follow-up's executive producer is Andre Lau. There will be lots to unpack in the coming weeks and months, leadership challenges, parliamentary brinkmanship, committees no longer dominated by government MPs, talk of Western alienation, Quebec separatism. So hit subscribe and keep us in your podcast rotation. Follow-up will be back in the new year, or we might drop a special show here and there. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm Althea Raj. See you soon.